Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Monday, May 31st, 2021. I'm Andrew Hanson alongside Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach. Happy Memorial Day, Coach. We've got two NBA games to watch and, and dissect here on this Memorial Day Monday. And same to you, Andrew, and uh, certainly to all our listeners and members out there. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, big thank you for your service. If you're currently serving, if you previously served or if you plan to serve. Uh, you know, I have a tremendous respect uh, for all of our soldiers in, in all the different uh, areas. Uh, my dad was a Marine uh, that fought in Korea and, you know, his his life after the Marines was, you know, it affected him in a positive way, just a very structured, success-driven person and uh, just have the utmost respect for anybody that it gives of their time and puts their life on the line. I think it's beyond words of, of what I could say in, in, from my side as uh, for thanks for doing that. Because, you know, a lot of people take the freedoms and everything we have here in the, in the U.S. for granted. And we would not be in this situation if it wasn't for all of those brave men and women over all of these years. So big shout out to them. That is way more important than any basketball slate. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well said. I echo everything that you just said. And what we're going to do here is look at the, the different kinds of battles here. That's the, right. The ones that are much less the important. The fun ones. But the, <laughs> but the fun ones. Uh, yes. Two NBA games, 7 o'clock start. Uh, I like this tiny little slate. And we've got quite a different feel here with a 3-0 series, a 2-1 series, one game potentially more of a blowout situation. So... Let's start with that one, Coach. How are you going to break down Philly and Washington? Well, you know, I, I'm really not as worried about the blowouts as regular season games, obviously, because, you know, it's the playoffs, it's do or die, and I don't want to overemphasize games that may blow out because I think guys are going to get long runs anyway. Um, you know, the teams that don't give up, like Tatum yesterday, had some nice late run, even though they were getting stung a little bit at the end. And, you know, same thing on the other side of the ball, the Durants of the world. So, you know, I'm, I'm even though I think Philly certainly could blow them out and, uh, you know, in any of these games coming up, I'm going to try to look at them, at least, Andrew, in the fact that, you know, I'm not going to consider it the blowout quote unquote, like we usually do where the guy's not going to play the fourth quarter, uh, that kind of thing. I, I think we just have to play these out because, you know, teams aren't going to give up maybe the last two, three minutes max, but not like we get stung when Giannis plays 22 minutes or something like that. So, uh, so I want to say that first of all, cause I'm, you know, now that we're down to these, we're starting to get these two game, one game slates, maybe an occasional three game, but as teams become uh, eliminated and these games become more magnified, I think that's going to be my theme here throughout the rest of the playoffs is just not to sweat the blowout game and just handicap it the way we normally would. So with that being said, the first game is the Philadelphia 76ers at the Washington Wizards. The uh, Sixers are eight and a half point favorites. The over under is 229 and that's based on our presenting sponsor, betus.com.pa. The other uh, game today is 225, the over-under. So not a massive difference. And that's really all that matters is, you know, do you uh, forecast one game to be much higher score 
boring than the other. Um, pace one in league, but we also know Philly's defense, which is somewhat the, the great neutralizer here. So I think we can look at these four games. Uh, Andrew is pretty pure without any huge uh, push either way with blowout or you know high or low over-unders. So let's dive right into the players themselves. I'll look at the, the Sixers uh, to start out, and then, Andrew, you can dive into the Wizards. The, the Pretty much what we've seen is, of all the teams thus far, and maybe it's because they're beating up on the Wizards, but Philly is using more of a bench than uh, any of the other teams. I mean, it's not even close. So they are getting, uh, you know, they're going to advance and they're going to be rested. So look out for Philly coming up. But from a DFS standpoint, how does that affect us? I mean, still the main guys that we want to consider here for pay-up potential are Joel Embiid, who's really had his way. He was 14 for 18 from the field the last game, 3 for 6, I'm sorry, 3 for 4 from 3, which, (laughs) you know, when he does that, you got to shake your head. He had 8 rebounds, you know, a couple of assists, a block. So he's still Embiid. And he's still awesome. But 27, 28 minutes, we'll see if that's the case again. I mean, really, to pay his number, you need that 35, 36 minutes. And, you know, if Washington keeps it super close, he's rested. And they know if they sweep here, being up 3-0, that they're going to get a ton of rest before this next series. So, you know, I think he plays, plays hard. He's certainly in my player pool. And, uh, you know, I think... People may be afraid of, of the fact that he may not get the minutes. Uh, and, and I think uh, that alone may lower his ownership a bit. So he's first on my list for Philly. Uh, I think he's just so dominant and playing so well, looks great out there. And Washington just doesn't have any answer for him. Um, Gafford can play him better than the other guys. But again, you know, they're splitting minutes there. So uh, he'd be number one on the list. Um, Tobias Harris has had a very sound series. I mean, this last game, again, just 20 points, 13 rebounds, doing it all, certainly in play. You know, I'd say those those two guys are, are very high on the list. And then the third guy is Ben Simmons. So, I mean, to have two of these three guys for Philly, uh, for me, Andrew, that's, that's possibly going to happen because those are the three guys you know are going to get the most minutes and a lot more if it's closer and uh, just there's no answer from the Washington side. Simmons played 30 minutes, 16 seconds last game, and not that great. I mean, 14 points, but nine assists and five rebounds. But again, you know, didn't get the extended run and is, you know, just looks like he's got guys outmatched. So, you know, it's going to be a salary situation. Certainly don't uh, believe in, in stacking all three of them. Uh, you know, just because they can dominate this game, uh, possibly. And then if you look at the ancillary guys, that's where I'm not going to touch anything. You know, I know a lot of people have gone there, and I get it. And But, you know, you've got those mid-20s to low-teens minutes for Danny Green, Seth Curry, Matisse Thibel, George Hill, Tyros, Ty, uh, Reese Maxey, Furkan Korkmaz, Dwight Howard, Shake Milton. So you're talking about a deep bench. They're all in the rotation, and they're all going to get some minutes, but not enough to be DFS relevant. So for me, it's the big three. Uh, very possibly could roster two of them 
and then just move on from there. Yeah, if it if it stays close, then two of those three I think could be a good approach. Um, they're they're fair prices. Uh, in the overall picture, I agree that it it can be uh, less important here with the blowout. We saw the Boston guys play late last night, which was big for their production. Yeah. But I I do think it depends on the team and the situation. Um, for example, in this game. I think Philly is at risk of losing minutes in a blowout, and I think it's significant. Uh, we've seen it before in this series when they smash and they don't yep. even get to 30 minutes, and they're right. the team that's up 3-0. So if they're, if they're up by 15 to 18 early in the fourth, then I could see those guys not getting the minutes we need. On the flip side, I think Washington down 3-0 at home Likely the last game of the season, they they let their guys go uh, to entertain the fans a little bit more. Um, so I think it's less likely that the Washington guys sit late. Um, so I'm I'm a little bit concerned about the Philly guys for the blowout here in this game uh, because they're going to advance. They want to keep those guys healthy. We know Embiid is very injury prone, so they don't want yeah. him out there late. So it's it's important for me on this one to think about Philly and and will it be a blowout? Um, yeah, I think that will be the theme in the industry. I really do. Yep. That's that's the leverage I like, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Because um, what if it does stay close? <laughs> well, that's the thing. That then I agree. Then two of those three, two of those three, it could be the key. The Monster, key build. Yeah. It's a uh, tough. It's a tough call. Yep. I also do like the starting wings here for Philly as potential value plays Curry and Green because. If you look at are they the wing win uh win beneath your wings? <laughs> they could be. They just might. They can shoot it. There you go. Uh, yes. If you look at the series here, they've two of the three games, they both have been around six X on DraftKings. Yeah. And they've they've both had a dud. So it's not it's not guaranteed with either of those guys. We know that they, they do rely a lot on the three point shooting, and then Danny Green relies on the stocks. But they're still four, mid 4K or lower. I mean, Seth Curry's only 3,700 on FanDuel, which I think is a nice option here. Uh, we've attacked Washington all season with shooters and guards. Yeah. So I think you could go with one of those guys, especially if, it's a, if it is going to be a blowout. Um, you know, I'd rather have 26 minutes from Danny Green than 26 minutes from Embiid at his price. Uh, but I'm not really you. interested in the bench guys because you know, they're maxing out at you know, 16 to 18 minutes. Dwight Howard is playable. Um, I don't think he's the best value play here, but, um, you know, Hill, Thibel, Korkmaz, any of those guys. Those Maxie's are... been terrific too, even though he's got such limited minutes. Man, yeah. does he look good. Yeah, I mean, and, you know. Just doesn't get in enough. Just doesn't get in enough. So yeah. uh, more interested in the starters here for Philly. On the Washington side, uh, Westbrook finally had – a Westbrook game there in Game Three, and yeah. shook off that questionable tag with the with the ankle. He's so and, tough, man. Yeah, he is. He's as tough as they come. Um, Eleven thousand. He he could pay that off. Uh, it's a big decision here. Um, yeah, I am leaning towards fading him. You know, because he is a point guard, especially on on Fanduel, where you've got only two point guards. I do like Jaw and uh, Conley in, in Game Two. So I'm probably not looking at Westbrook in my first lineup. Beal, I think, is a little expensive uh, on this slate. Um, again, as a guard, I, I like the shooting guards in Game 2 a little bit better as they're, as they're cheaper. 
um, Bertans and Rui are really rolls of the dice here, not getting a ton yeah. of shots. You know, Rui is not, he, has, he hasn't gotten over eight shots in this series. And Bertans, no. very scoring dependent. He did have a, a really good game one, but duds since then. It's um, amazing how he put zeros everywhere else. Isn't it yeah. incredible? I find that shocking to me. To yeah. play that many minutes, no rebounds, no assists, no nothing. 31 minutes. <laughs> yeah, the, some of these guys are just, they, they know their role. It's, you know, we are we want you out here as a shooting threat, and that's what he focuses on, and he does it quite well. I think he well. just runs between the two three-point lines. I don't think he leaves those the middle <laughs> of the court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the bigs, you know, it, it actually has become almost a pattern here finally with Len Lopez and Gafford where Len's getting 12 minutes, Lopez getting 16, Gafford yeah. getting 20 to 22. Yeah. So I would think that would continue. The only thing I could see happening is maybe Gafford gets even a couple more minutes if it's a blowout. Um, it's not like we've they... been asking for that for a month. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not planning on it, but I am, I am planning on 20 to 22 He's yeah. playable for me, especially on DraftKings where he's cheaper. 5,400 on FanDuel is a little bit tough. Um, yeah. And then Ish is, he's a wild card here. You mentioned the questionable tag for him uh, with, with the groin. Um, definitely prefer him over Neto with the usage recently. But again, yeah. you know, I do like those the point guards in game two more. So, you know, I'm just not very excited about the Washington side. Philly's a lot of risk. Number yeah. two defensively. Yeah. Uh, Washington is not really thriving offensively here. No big surprise. So it's, you know, kind of pick and choose maybe a one-off for Washington, but I'm just not very excited about this side. I'm with you. I mean, it's it's hard to get excited because, you know, we've been through this now for a while. And at one point between the two of us, we've we've taken a punch in the gut with Bertans, Hashimura, even Len way back. Uh, Ish Smith stung me the one game. Gafford, obviously, I had in that one huge game where he played like six minutes. Neto, who was one for 12 this last game. You know, Lopez, who can score a few buckets, but 14, 15 minutes. But we've tried all those guys, and it's just, it's a losing uh, situation. I mean, you have to, you might as well play the roulette wheel to figure that out because there's just nothing in this series that indicates that there's an advantage for any of those guys over this Philadelphia defense. So in a nutshell, for me, it's very simple. I am either going to play Beal or Westbrook, one or the other. That's the decision I'm going to make uh, today as I uh, go through this. And I wanted to do this for two reasons. I th- two reasons. I agree with you. I think game four at home, you know, sure as hell, they're not going to go down without a fight. I think Westbrook and Beal finish up on the floor if it's you know, two-point game or 20-point game. That's just what I'm anticipating. So leverage-wise, I think, and, uh, you know, to balance out this game, if I am going to play two good guys from Philly, I'd like to play one of these two studs. Now, I know salary-wise it's going to pinch me a little bit here, but I'm willing to accept that on two-game slate where I think there are a few decent value plays in game two of, of this slate. So it's going to be a cut-to-the-chase game for me. Uh, two of the three studs from Philly, one of the two studs from Washington, and all the skabooge can take a seat on the bench, in my opinion. So uh, cut and dry and going after it and then trying to develop enough of a, a 
bargains in the second game to make it all work. All right. Well, uh, for folks who are new to the program, we are going to build those lineups throughout the day and provide them to our members. So jump in with us if you'd like to participate in that. Uh, DFSCoachTalk.com is where you can get the membership. And we give out full lineups on FanDuel, two cash lineups, a GPP lineup, full lineup on Yahoo, a core on DraftKings for GPP, a core for cash, uh, and you know a lot of interaction with our members uh, about about strategy and all, all kinds of things. Great, great Discord. So jump in with us, DFSCoachTalk.com. Any questions, reach out to us on Twitter, at DFSCoachTalk. All right, Coach, uh, Game 2, Utah-Memphis. Yes. And I'll let you start it off, but I did want to mention with the totals here, this one is very similar but on average, uh, these guys have put up 10 more points per game than Philly-Washington. Philly-Washington, their average total is 231. Average total between Utah and Memphis so far has been 241. So That's a great point, man. And, and that's something that most people wouldn't guess because of the whole Washington thing, you know? Right. So I think that's a great point. And that's part of my strategy too, Andrew, because with those extra possessions and extra uh, DFS points, even though, you know, this number, these numbers are close, the, the trend has been, there's been a little bit more scoring and more opportunity for additional points, uh, in this series, as opposed to the, the other, maybe it's because these games have been closer probably, yep. but, uh, you know, maybe that happens again today. I mean, Utah's got a two, one lead. It's in Memphis. You know, of course it's a must win for Memphis. They don't want to go down three, one and have to go back to Utah and, uh, you know, they're going to come out guns a-blazing. But Utah's tough. Now that they've got Mitchell back, it's like, you know, somebody flipped the switch and it's back to Utah Jazz basketball. By the way, too, I wanted to mention, uh, and someone I know very well, Mark Eaton, passed away this weekend at 64. Great Utah Jazz center for the youngsters, you know, that didn't see him play. Look him up. He's the official all-time blocks leader in the NBA uh, because they didn't take keep blocks back in Bill Russell days and stuff. But Mark Eaton was a wonderful guy. He spoke at a couple of our conferences uh, in Pennsylvania. He was very involved uh, with with sports camps and just a fantastic, big, big, huge guy. I'll never forget, uh, Dawson was about five, six years old, and he got to shake his hand, and he had to look up to the sky, and, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, was, it was cute. Yeah, but uh, I would just that was terrible news. So yes, you know, blessings to his family, uh, you know, and the whole t- Utah Jazz uh, organization. I'm I'm sure that was a big shock for them because he's he's also very involved in their organization. So uh, you know, I'm sure they'll have a patch uh, and, and play in his honor. He was on all those those awesome Jazz teams, by the way, the Stockton to Malone teams that. Would have won like five championships if it wasn't for a guy back here named Michael Jordan That's that right. uh, kept beating him. But uh, anyway, wanted to make mention of that real quick. So, uh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're back. Mitchell missed a lot of shots. He took 23, but he did make nine of them. I think, you know, I'm not going to have the, the cash money going into the second game to entertain a Donovan Mitchell as much as I'd like to. Um, or a Rudy Gobert. You know, Gobert's tough. But his price is always so high, and I, I think I say this. I might as well push the record repeat button because I say this every game. You know, the dude only got eight shots again. And he never gets many shots, and but he gets rebounds and blocks, and he he finds a way to get to that five x number even at the price he's at seven for eight from the field, 
14 rebounds. So I get it, but, you know, it's just hard at the price point he's at to, to pull the trigger there. So I'm looking more at the second flight guys to help build my salary here that have been playing pretty good ball. I mean, you had Bogdanovich play 37 minutes. He's played good minutes throughout, always good for some threes. And he's picked up some ancillary stats as well. Uh, Royce O'Neal started out that last game like he was going to break the slate and then hit the skids. But, you know, we'll take it. I mean, if he's making value at his low price, 32 minutes, you know, if he can repeat 12 rebound or 12.7 rebounds, a steal, you know, he's going to be in there. He's he's a, a possible value play. And then uh, my favorite play in this game, and his price isn't that bad, uh, is Mike Conley. It's gone up, but it's not bad. I was He was my key play and really came through for me in this last game. You know, if, if you remember, or was it, this was, uh, no, this was when I did the, the show alone. But my whole thing was Conley going back to Memphis, right. where he spent all those years, you know, in the playoffs and all those people know him. His number's going to hang in the rafters. And I just think he's on a, a high to prove that. And they were kidding around like uh, he's now the villain there and all this. And, you know, if you know Conley, he's like the nicest guy. He's like a Boban kind of guy. So he's uh, I just think he'll go in there and he's comfortable and he, you know, he wants his legend to, to live on. I mean, he this last game, he played a solid almost 36 minutes. And that's with Mitchell back and, and the whole team going you know, and, you know, he throws up uh, 27 real points, six rebounds, eight assists, just a solid all-around game. Uh, and as long as he's playing good minutes like this, um, you know, I think the one area where Jaw struggles a little bit is uh, defensively, as much as he's become a superstar in his playoffs. Uh, and, and, you know, Brooks has to guard Mitchell, and that's the difference when Mitchell was out they were able to switch defenses around and Memphis was able to win. And I think that was the difference. Not as much Mitchell's uh, dominance of scoring and everything, but it makes the Memphis defense shift all their players to different guys. And that's the big reason I really like Conley here. Um, You know, I also think, you know, Clarkson got back into the flow a little bit. He hasn't gotten the minutes off the bench. You know, he was getting 30 minutes off the bench pretty consistently He's been in the low 20s, which at his price tag is a little tough. But, uh, you know, as a possibility, he just seemed to come out of that little couple game slump. He did hit five threes. So he's not out of my player pool here. Um, not as crazy about Joe Ingles. He has not looked good in this series, in my opinion. So it's it's Conley uh, for sure. And then maybe a Bogdanovich, O'Neal, or Clarkson to make the salary work. I do want a decent amount of, uh, you know, guys from this side of the ball because I think they they smell blood in the water. They want to go up 3-1 and and move on with this. And they know at 2-2 that anything can happen. So I'm I'm pretty fired up for this side. Yeah, I like the Utah side as well. Uh, They've got that great pace on the other side, Memphis number eight. And these these games have been close. They've, you know, the biggest spread was 12 points. And that was 141 to 129, 270 points in that game. So other than what that, it's heck? been three-point sp- uh, three spread, 10-point spread. And we've had yeah. two huge blowouts in, in uh, Philly, Washington. So I like the Utah side. I love these guards, both of them. Conley's been probably the most consistent 
uh, value here in terms of returning value of anyone yeah. in the playoffs. He's, He's been, been smashing terrific. every game, taking 16 to 18 shots. And yeah. I agree with you. This is a real, real strong narrative for him. So Conley, Conley's high on my board. Mitchell, if I don't pay up for Westbrook or Beal, which I don't think I will, then I, I will be able to afford him potentially. Uh, I do like Dylan Brooks as a shooting guard on the other side. We'll get there as well. But I yeah. like how Mitchell's uh, minutes have trended up. You know, he's being really aggressive while he's out there. Uh, Bogdanovich and O'Neal, definitely playable for me as well. And Gobert, you know, I agree. It's his price tag. It's very unlikely for him to get anything more than 5X. So, yeah, you know, not enough opportunity. You know, it's on, on a two game slate. He could work his way into the lineup, and you're not looking for a six or seven X return from him. You're just looking no. for the reliability of 40 fantasy points. So he's playable. He for is, me. he is a, a cash guy. I mean, yeah, he's a talk guy. about a high floor, but right. low ceiling, you know, exactly. you could just plug his numbers in now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'd be, he may be more high floor, low ceiling than anyone in the NBA. He's just always he right really around is. 40 fantasy right points. Right in that same pocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then with the bench, yeah, I'm not, not as excited. Ingles hasn't been doing it now with Mitchell back. Uh, Niang, not very big minutes. Clarkson, very scoring dependent here recently, especially with the lower minutes. So, yeah, more interested in these starters. I'll probably have two to three of the Utah starters. Me too, yeah. All right, on the Memphis side, I'd like to run it back with a couple guys here. Um you don't like John Moran. I know you've never liked him from the first game. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, he didn't quite have the ceiling game last time out. The, he did take 23 shots. Yeah. It, it looked to me like they were more aggressive with the double teams against jaw out yeah. above the three point line, getting him yeah. to, you know, um, share the ball, really get it out of his hands. And right. that's why we saw some wide open shots for Kyle Anderson I mean, that was pretty apparent to me that the game plan was we are not going to let Jaw beat us on the perimeter no doubt. as yeah. much and, and have a one-on-one opportunity to drive to the hole. Because as good as Conley is, he hasn't been able to stop Jaw from getting to the paint. And Jaw's really showing some great ability to stop on a dime, little 8-10 foot fallaways, or these double pump lefty layups even at the rim i mean he's been tremendous in the paint and drawing yeah. fouls so you know if I, if I had to pick one i think i probably would go with conley over job but i i'll have a lot of, a lot of lineups with both of them because you know even with those double teams he got his 23 shot attempts and uh, like you said they don't want to go down 3-1 and go back to utah so they need jaw to do his thing with big minutes brooks if he can just stay out of foul trouble we know he's uh, taking a ton of shots, 24 shots in the last game. So yeah. you love that. Just stop fouling three-pointers, Brooks. Uh, yeah. Three-point shooters. He, just, he can't help I himself. Mean, he just he wants, to get, he wants to get a, a hand in every shot. You know? yeah. uh, Kyle Anderson, uh, really nice glue guy for lineups. His price has gone up a little bit. So it makes it more of a borderline situation. Yeah. Um, not really as interested in these bigs. Uh, Triple J, don't really love his just cons- inconsistency. Uh, Joe Val could do it, but not my favorite pay up spot here. And then with the guards, 
you know, we saw Grayson Allen. If he gets hot, they'll let him out there and you know, he had 30 minutes in game yeah. three. He, but he was real that was his best game I've seen him play, maybe. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, he, he really got going with the crowd and, and got into it. Um he's pretty cheap. You could look there. He's right in that same price range as Seth Curry. Right. Uh I think to me, Curry is a little more reliable. Grayson Allen, you know, could outscore him. He does have a decent ceiling if he gets hot. Uh, and then Bain is the guy who he took a hit with Grayson Allen getting some more minutes, uh, but not just not really interested in those bench guards. I'm more interested in the starters once again. Sure. No, I I don't blame you. And, and you know, I I you know the the cool thing is. You know, we we don't generally talk about these games before we do the podcast because we want to just that, you know, roll off of each other thoughts, ideas and not affect each other, you know, thinking before the show. I think it becomes more natural, you know, what we're seeing. And sometimes we agree perfectly. Sometimes we disagree. And I think that's what really helps everybody build lineups. But I saw the exact same thing you did, Andrew, in this last game. I think what uh, and I knew he'd do it because Quinn Snyder is one of the best coaches in the, in the league. And it was the same scenario that finally Tyrone Lou or somebody on his staff got through, you know, his thick skull that they can't start Zubots and let Luca go one-on-one with him and score every time. They had to change their lineup and thus they've won games since they've adjusted. And I think Snyder's done the same thing here. I think what he's done has, is saying, listen, Jaw looks phenomenal. He's beating us sort of single-handedly these first couple of games that or at least being in those games. He won the one of them where he went nuts. And I think they said, okay, he's not a prolific three-point shooter yet, but there's a possibility, and I'll, I'll put this on record, he's definitely one of the top maybe two guys, literally, in the entire league that if you ISO, he can take anybody to the basket. I don't care who it is. He's going to get by him, and with that incredible athleticism and jumping and contortions, he's going to get in there and either make it or an and one, and I don't think he's guardable one-on-one when he's going to the hoop. So what they've done is was what is the right thing to do is they're running pinches and doubles and help sides on him and forcing him either to take outside shots or to give up the ball. So, you know, I'm not going to go with Jaw because of that, I think that that's it's working for Utah. I think they'll continue to do it. Um, and what what it does though is it doesn't help a ton inside for the Triple J's and Joe Val's because they're still clogging that up, and they have probably the three-time Defensive Player of the Year in in uh, the uh, Gobert standing there just waiting. So what I think it opens up is the guys I'm interested in, and you started to see that in this last game. Kyle Anderson was only five for 13, but I think some of those balls are going to go in and he, he gets the ancillaries like crazy. Uh, that's one good thing you get with him. 13 rebounds, five assists and two steals. I mean, that's smasher kind of stuff. If he gets a few more of these shots to go down and he was one for five for three because of that pinch inside on the two bigs and making him give up the ball. The beneficiaries to me are going to be three guys, and those are the three guys I'm looking at. Kyle Anderson, as I mentioned. Dylan Brooks, who has been, to me, my favorite player to watch this whole playoffs. What he does defensively and how hard he plays, 
is just admirable. I mean, sometimes he gets overzealous and does follow those three-point shooters. But, you know, you almost take that because everything else he does on the floor is just he plays so hard. And knowing that this is such an important game and that he'll go 40 minutes if he has to, I think, you know, his price is fair enough that you got to look back there. And then the guy that's the risk guy for me but makes my salary work and I think makes perfect sense here you know, people forget Grayson Allen was a phenomenal player at Duke, was the best shooter in the NCAA, was player of the year there, really followed directly in, in Reddick's footsteps as just a knockdown NBA three-point shooter. But what happens is when teams defend him tough, he can't produce his own shot. He doesn't move as well with the ball, out the ball like Reddick. He just doesn't, he isn't able to create and you can take him away. But I think they would rather have Grayson Allen shooting than allow John Morant free reign. So I think you may see another you know, 25 to 32 minutes from Grayson Allen scooping that one position because if Snyder plays that same defense, they need their best spot-up shooter. And I think Allen is their best. He's better than the rookie Bain and uh, you know, even DeAnthony Melton. Melton's more of a, a you know, slicer and, and dicer. But... Grayson Allen will spot up if he's open and, and Jaw gets him the ball, he'll make shots. So his price is terrific. I think, you know, he sees the floor. There is certainly some risk there, um, but I don't think it's that bad of a risk because worst case scenario, he plays 20 minutes and is going to, you know, at least get you close to 5X at his price, in my opinion. So uh, not going to have the money to go to Jaw. Real impressed with him, but this defensive shift I think hurts him a little bit. Joe Val, you know, I, I the one thing I hate the most is watching Joe Val and Triple J foul constantly, reach, push, grab over the back. I mean, those two guys are just foul machines, and I don't trust them. And you know, the guys off the bench for them, Clark and stuff, just are not getting it done. So for me, I'm going to round out sort of those big plays from the first game and look at those secondary guys that I mentioned and. Hopefully that strategy uh, stays the same as it was the last game because I think it can make a big difference. I'm really looking forward to it. Fun two-game slate. So invite folks to, to join us again as uh, new members and uh, certainly would appreciate if you would subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. We're going to continue to bring these seven-day-a-week podcasts all the way through the NBA Finals, Coach. Yeah, it's going to be a great run. I mean, these... It's it's amazing how competitive this next round is going to be crazy too. I mean it's it's just uh, nuts. So, you know we'll be here diagramming diagramming them all out. I love it because in series like this, Andrew, we're able to talk through these things. What are the coaches doing? How are the players reacting? And all of that makes a lot you know bigger difference than playing five different teams in six nights. I mean you got exactly. to reshuffle everything. But here we're able to really dig in and take a look at what's going on. And, you know, that's the coaching where people would say that coaching isn't the key. You know, you can forget it. I mean, coaching makes all the difference in these series. It's who adjusts better and who's able to react to that. That's who's going to win these. It's not always just, you know, maybe Philly is somewhat dominant over Washington. There's a few that are going to be lopsided a bit. But for the most part, as we move forward in this from here forward in this next round, a lot of it has to do with coaching strategy and, and who's able to to dial up the right game plan no doubt about it so uh, yeah. stick with us 
all throughout these playoffs. We're going to have a lot of fun breaking it down and pumped about this Monday. Let's get this week started off right, Coach, and and do it again yeah. tomorrow. So, on How about me, some takedowns? Let's what do, do you it. say? Let's do it. I'm in for it. <laughs> all right. On behalf of the coach and the rest of the DFS Coach Talk team, I'm Andrew Hansen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow as we look to crush it in DFS.